This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Welcome to SEN Fridays at the top end, 16, 11 a.m. Thanks to Rain and Horn Darwin. We will love your listening. Remember to download the SEN app or listen live on 16, 11 a.m. We have Robert in the studio. The Guru, how was your week? A pretty solid week in the tipping, I hear. Yeah, eight from eight. So, yeah, doing guru things. Um, uh, good, good week. I was in Alice Springs. So, yeah, enjoyed that little trip. How is it going in Alice? Yeah, it was not too bad. Um, probably a bit of media blow up, but yeah, there's a few issues there. But also, I think I sorted it all out over the week. Good weather? Yeah, weather was good. Nice, a little bit fresh, which is good, um, but not too bad. Well, you put a bit of pressure on yourself now. You did tell me straight off the bat, make sure you mentioned the tipping last week. So we'll be listening very, very closely uh, when we do the tips this week. Yeah. Raf, you had an even bigger weekend last week, celebrating <laughs> the Premiership reunion 2002-2003. How was it? Yeah, mate, it was uh, very well uh, planned by Ricky Nolan himself. Yes. One of the old gurus of the game <laughs> before Robbie came along. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, mate, to have... Um, you know, almost every single player there. Um, only three missing, one due to work. Um, you know, one is not with us anymore. That's the senior Rioli. Um, so, but yeah, the about 10 blokes had to fly in. Um, we had about four days together. Um, you know, the first premiership's always a, the most memorable one. So I was lucky enough to get that with the... And they played with Cyril and Willie mm. um, and Randall as well. So, What do you remember from the game itself? Obviously, you had the Guru's father, Damien, as the yeah. coach. Um, you were only a young fella, 17 or 16, yeah, I were just, you? I think I just remember the the excitement because I think Saints hadn't won one for about three years, and that's you know for St Mary's that's a that's a big spell. Mm. Um, so the, the crowd was definitely it was a packed house, um, you know, and it, it's um, yeah. I think the biggest thing I remember is how young we all were. Mm. So Iggy Vallejo's first premiership, John Anser's first premiership, um, myself. Uh, Did any of the Islets play? No, nah, all the Ollett boys were in uh, Sample, hey? Sample, yeah. 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 Um, but yeah, it's, you know, and then they go on and play with Cyril Rioli, who's got, you know, 12 or 13 premierships mm. himself, and then Johnny and Eggy end up with 10 or 11 each. Um, yeah, so they getting to play with those. And Brody Stanislaus is the reason why I wore number eight. I was still wearing Champions. number eight, watching him as a kid. Mm. Um, you know, the things Brody could do, and, and I get to play with him in that grand final. I think he went on and kicked four or five in that game as well, so... That's probably the most memorable things I got to, you know, spend time and play with those guys. Yep. So I've been covering the history of the St Mary's Football Club, and you're right. I believe it was a five-year premiership drought, which people may think that I'm joking, but it's the longest premiership drought in the club's 70-year history. So that shows just how successful this club has been for a long time. I believe Nick Ingle won the Cheney Medal. Yep. Who was? So he was the best on ground back then. Who was the best? Off ground last weekend. <laughs> uh, well, I think Danny Nolan put on a fair show and um, Aaron Langsworth. I think they were mm. the last two standing on the Sunday night because um, they they went again Sunday. I, I couldn't even get myself out of, off the couch on Sunday. So, <laughs> um, yeah, shows I'm slowing down. Um, but, yeah, they, they had a, another hit out on the Sunday, about 12 or 15 of them. And I think Aaron Langsworth the last man standing. A big, big weekend of football coming up. A big weekend last week to digest. But, Rob, before we go any further, I believe it is now time for the good, bad and ugly. Uh, 
All right, yep. So we'll get into it. Uh, the good for me last week, um, we called it's, uh, We called that they were back after, you know, around Christmas time. It was confirmed again. Nycliffe are back. Um, they're currently the best defensive side. Um, they'll go out and kick eight goals, which is fine, but they'll because they only let you kick seven. Mm. There seems to be more chemistry within the group amongst the recruits and the local player base now, and they've added some youth, albeit a little later than they should have, but they're playing their roles. Quinn and Politis leading the front in that regard as Nycliffe juniors, and um, they have five or six to come in, and I'll be disappointed if those two go out of the side as they are the future of Nycliffe Footy Club and future leaders. Um, but at the moment, they are in the side tomorrow, and uh, I'm commentating that one. We, we'll, but we need to discuss also the implications of, of this win that they did have over St. Mary's um, in the show later as well. It was a traditional eight-point win, wasn't it? Yeah, it definitely was, and uh, top three's up for grabs now with Nycliffe with an easy draw and Saints with two easier games and then Waratahs next week. We will talk about their run home pretty soon, but just on Nycliffe, they have won the last four. They've won a lot of premierships over the last five years. Can they do it again, or do they need to be in that top three spot? Yeah, need to be top three for mine. I think they're going to be dangerous. It could be one of the first, like, going to the prelim. I wouldn't be surprised if they knocked off one of those sides in the top three in the second week of finals. Um, but, yeah, I, don't, I just don't think it's as likely. It's to, hard to run that gauntlet with the top five system. Yeah, from that definitely. Fourth, fourth spot, Saint, Saints are a bit underdone on the weekend, and obviously Nycliffe have four or five to come in, but Saints, you know, really didn't kick straight um, and had a few players underdone, like I'd mentioned. So. And the bat? The bad for me was uh, coming into finals, winning form is good form, and Buffs failed and now put a final spot in jeopardy. Their pressure levels are below that of the top four side, and I think they're lacking quality big men across the park. If Jared Stokes or Mitch Robinson don't fire, I don't think there's a plan B. I think if um, they're going to win a final, Penderbury needs to play back. Um, Buffs and Pints, but they and but Pints are the side that'll knock them out. But they both got tough runs home with Pints also having a buy in there, um, and Pints going up against Nycliffe and Districts. They need to win to ensure a final spot. And Buffs have Tigers this week, and unfortunately, right now, if Buffs play finals, I can't see them getting past the first week on their current form. So. We do need to talk about the Pendlebury to the backline move that you keep stressing about because, in my opinion, mm. Pendlebury was the best midfielder for Buffaloes on the weekend. I think he had 29 disposals leading all comers. The damage was done, in my opinion, for Pints by some of their smaller running players. Uh, Harvey kicked three goals. Matt Ryan, who's a bit of a bigger player, kicked three as well. But does aren't we robbing Peter to pay, Peter to pay Paul? Gee, that's a hard one. Mm. By putting Pendlebury down in the backline? Aren't we taking away a little well, bit too much on the bus midfield? No, against the big sides like Nycliffe, Saints, Waratahs, the blokes that do have good forwards, it will, be, it will come to a standstill then. Um, on the weekend, they probably got away with it a bit, but the, the, against St. Mary's, there were no, there were, there were no contest, and Mitch Robinson and... and um, uh, who was it? Mitch Robinson, Stokes, and Pendles had 90 disposals between them, and they lost by five, six goals. So I just don't think. And Grenfell kicked seven, and there was no matchup that went to Grenfell that day. So I think that's a sort of a very, you know, it's a sore spot for the Buffaloes for mine. Rob, we have a, and Raf, we have a big, big show ahead. We are hoping to speak to Waratah Gun, Dylan Collis, Southern District star, Fraser Driscoll. We need to talk about your ugly, but we do mm. need to go to a break first because this is a little bit more than just a, a throwaway comment. We need to digest this one a little bit. Yep. So this is SEN Fridays at the top end, 16, 11 a.m. Thanks to Rain and Horn. Darwin, we will love your listing. Welcome back to SEN Fridays at the top end, 16, 11 a.m. Thanks to Rain and Horn. Darwin, we will love your listing. Hey, Rob, it's been a big, big start to the show, and we are currently going through your good, bad, and ugly. It's now time for good, bad, and ugly on Fridays in the top end. So 
just to recap, your good was Nycliffe, the Tigers, who have won the last four games in a row, and your bad was the Buffaloes, who you felt let it slip a little bit on the weekend against Pint. Let's go through the ugly. Yeah, the ugly. Sadly, this has to be said, but it has to be the Wanderers Premier League women's result in the weekend. It was a cricket score, none for 190. Um, and I think there is an issue now in the women's competition where the top sides, how much flyings they have compared to the bottom sides. And a solution moving forward, if that's what the, the league's going down, is to have two different levels. If we had Tracy, Banks, Rats and Jabiru, we could have 13 teams. And one of its best place to create a women's Premier League and then a Division 1 and then maybe do it as a regulation-type system to just avoid these blowout scores with the top V bottom sides happening. And six sides and wins Premier League, maybe, and seven in the women's Division 1. But I sort of highly doubt this, that that will happen because at club level, they sort of want both sides mm. to both the men's and the women's to play on the same day. And all that and I think that's contributing to, to low crowd numbers as well and we have also have a lack of under 18 sides at the moment with only four sides at the, um, in the under 18 girls so they've got eight in the 16s but they've got a bit of a problem and gap in that area and also the women's Premier League games before the men's Premier League games you want that to be as good a spectacle as possible. The women's flying situation is almost a topic in itself that is something mm. that I've fielded a couple of messages about throughout the week and it's a bit of a catch-22 situation where people will say hey the men have been flying in players for ages obviously there's a restriction now over the last couple of years but there is that aspect that it is strengthening the competition uh, but is it at the detriment of developing some of our local juniors Raf, feel free to chime in if you have an opinion about this um, but what do we have to do about the women's flying situation do you think it's fine as it is or do you think that we will see restrictions come into the competition I, I think restrictions coming in like soon I think there's no under-18s, so I think that's they're going to wait. But they've got what eight eight sides? The eight sides have sixteen sides, um, sixteen teams at the moment. So they're going to wait for those kids to filter through. But when them kids filter through, there needs to be a uh, you know position for clubs to play them. Yeah, start start line up those restrictions because you can come all of a sudden you can be a bottom side, and if you have got the funding and the, the backing mm. for a sponsor, you can be a top three or top four side. And um, yeah, it's you want your team to build up from mm. the juniors, but if it's helping the comp at the moment, you know, be a good spectacle, then, you know, you, you let it go. But if you mm. see this team all of a sudden being able to do it and dominate and win three or four premierships in a row, then you go, hang on, mm. this is not working because no one's developing here. So, yeah, I think it's a, maybe after this season they'll see who probably wins it. Um, mm. But Pines have got a very strong base, so mm. they don't have any flyings, which and they're sitting on top, so always helps. But a lot of their girls are from interstate. They're all here working as most of them, are, I think, doctors or nurses and mm could be able to create a good atmosphere so you know where the clubs have to copy what they're doing so they do get more recruits that live here i don't know but yeah it's it's a hard one when especially when you're not coaching or involved in the women's footy um i can't have too much to say on i guess yeah i think i think some clubs there's been seven eight nine flying some weeks like that's that's pretty excessive for mine would some clubs be spending more and there isn't anything necessarily wrong with it but would there be some clubs spending more on their women's premier league than the men's premier league you wouldn't have thought that'd be the case four or five years ago i, I reckon i've known that there's been flying budgets at footy clubs and it's been split with the women sometimes 50 50 or a bit just a bit less um which is pretty alarming so yeah, but I think there needs to be a cap brought in, but maybe two or three years' time. Yeah, I don't mind the at, the, at how it's going now. I think the yeah. Women's Premier League competition is progressing in leaps and bounds. Hey, Rob, it is time for one of the most talked-about segments on SEN Fridays at the top end. It is the SEN Top 10. It's now time for the NTFL Top End 10 with Jackson Clark and Rob Hale. 
So, we have had a couple of changes to the list, and we have debated ferociously throughout the week about who should be in this top 10. Let's start at 10. 10's Tommy Shot from uh, Pints, so his, his debut coming in here. Um, some really good form on the weekend against Buffaloes, and he has had good form this year with probably these peak games against Southern Districts before Christmas. He had the 35 touches in that game, if I remember correctly, and he comes with a pretty strong football resume, having played a lot of good football in the Sandfall for Glenelg, so a well-deserved spot on that list. Number nine. Number nine's Nate Pretty, so Nate holds his spot in there. Um, he's been pretty good for St. Mary's. Had an all right game again on the weekend, so in that loss against Nycliffe. A few people breathing down his throat in that top 10 list. He might need to have a have a big game this week or over the next couple of weeks to keep his spot. Is that fair? Yeah, I think so, um, definitely. Um, so he's got Palmerston this week. Well, could set the scene for a big game. <laughs> Number eight. Number eight's Matt Dennis. Um, had a pretty dominant game on the weekend. Um, so, yeah, holds his spot pretty strongly um, against Tiwi there. I think it was 29 hit-outs in three quarters. Dominated the ruck. It was 30 hit-outs to five overall uh, mm. in that game. Number yep. seven. Number seven's Ryan Nyhouse. So, continues his good form. It's probably the best backman in the comp. Um, he is the best backman in the comp, sorry. But, yeah, Ryan Nyhouse for mine. Number six. Number six is Stevie Motlop. Yeah, we haven't seen a lot of Steven, so... But he's going to hold his spot in his name this week. Hopefully another big game for Stephen, for Wanderer's sake. Number five, this is an interesting one. Yeah, Baxter Mensch is still in there at five. He hasn't played now for, I think it's two weeks, is it? Mm. Two games? So Maybe three. We, maybe three. So, But he is the highest. You know, He's still got 30 disposals. Yeah, I think something. he's still... Well, obviously his average hasn't changed. He's still averaging his 32 touches. But I think he leads all comers in the comp still for the most disposals. So in my opinion, it's hard when we talk about this list to drop him out just because of that stat. Yeah, and we don't know if he's coming back yet, but if he does come back, then he's going to hold his spot, but we'll see how that all pans out. Number four. Uh, number four is Jaden Magro. Um, Dos Santos, I think, was pretty good on him on the weekend. Mm. A lot of ball went to Magro, and he kicked four, though, but two of those were in the first quarter, so I think it was a pretty good effort. And Wanderers named Dos Santos best player as well. I think it's a sign of a very good player when they can kick four and you're still sort of saying, oh, they, they weren't amazing. You know, they were pretty good. Like four goals in, in anyone's books, a very day, good day at the office. Number three is a player who has shot up the rankings. Yeah, Luke Smith's number three now. So he had a pretty dominant game on the weekend. Um, only played to the 22nd mark, I reckon, in the mm-hmm. third quarter. That game was called off. And Luke Smith had 22 disposals. When was it three or four goals? Four goals. Four goals. So he was really in for a 30 and five um, day. So because they, we, got, uh, we did miss seeing that. But he's definitely the best half forward mid in the comp. Yeah, he's having a great season. It'd be interesting to see whether a guy like that gets his Nichols medal votes because sometimes those players can slip under the radar. So it'd be mm-hmm. very interesting on Nichols medal night to see how he polls. Yeah. Number two is well, a player who is always in these lists, and number one has held his spot. Who are the top two? So Brody Philo and uh, Lant, Dylan Lant there. So. Philo, I think he's just damaging when he gets it. He's not really a high accumulated disposal getter. He's more of a you know, 60, 60 70 metre player. Um, so he was pretty good against Saints. And Lamp, surprisingly, wasn't named in the best. So, But he was very good again. That was absurd. I thought, Raf, and correct me if I'm wrong, I don't know if you got to see much of the game, but uh, I thought 29 disposals, which was nine more than his closest teammate. Mm-hmm. Clearly best on ground for mine, Dylan Lamp. Yeah, definitely. Well, uh, best for Saints, at least. We, we made the effort to get across there. that We had a, um, a box to ourselves for the Premiership reunion. So we, we watched the game very closely. And, yeah, a lot of, um, <laughs> a lot of stuff came out of that box um, that probably <laughs> need to... Yeah, you know, so. Plenty more to come on SEN Fridays at the Top End. Thanks to Rain and Horn Darwin. We will love your listing. 
Welcome back to SEN Fridays at the Top End. Robbie, you just went through your SEN Top 10, our SEN Top 10. We've had some ferocious debate during the week about that. Number 10 was Tommy Schott. Number 9, Nate Paredes. Number 8, Matt Dennis. Number 7, Ryan Nyhouse. Number 6, Stephen Motlop. Number 5, Baxter Mench. Number 4, Jaden Magro. Number 3, the big mover, Luke Smith. Number 2, Brody Philo. And number 1, Dylan Land. Do you want to go through some of the players who you feel are just on the outside? Yeah, Dylan Collis for mine is number 11. He's moved into a midfield half-forward role now ever since Southern Districts tagged him at half-back before Christmas. Um, Mitch Robinson has missed the last two games, and I've just seen his names, which is good. Um, but And some close checking from Pints on Jared Stokes last weekend kept him out of the top 10. So it's pretty close between those three and some of the players at the tail end of that top 10 list. So Dylan Collis had 25 disposals, two goals last weekend. I thought he was unlucky not to be judged best of field. If he replicates that performance this weekend or in the following weeks, he's probably going to move in there. Mitch Robinson, very hard to keep a guy like that out. Um, you know, he's averaging, I think, 26, 27 disposals a game. I know the official stats say that he's averaging about 23, but one of those was that little half game mm. uh, against the Crocs. And, well, not even half. I think it was a bit less than that. It was in the second quarter when it got called off. And yeah. we all know what Jared Stokes can do at his best. He's a superstar footballer. There's nothing really more to be said. Raf, is there anyone that we've mentioned or that you think could possibly, you know, from what you've seen, be in that contention? Oh, I've just got a question for Rob on it because... Um, Good. Grill him. Um, you know, Calder's been a leading goal mm-hmm. kicker for the comp and we haven't squeezed him in the top 10 at all this season. Um, but we've got a, another key forward in there. I know Magro's leading the comp. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, it's interesting to see a key forward so high up in the list. Yeah, I do have Calder in that 11 to 25 bracket. Oh, um, not 11, not maybe like 13 to 25 actually, but he wasn't able to make Jackson's list, <laughs> so number 26 apparently. Plenty more to come here on SEN Fridays at the Top End. Welcome back to SEN Fridays at the Top End. Thanks to Rain and Horn Darwin. We will love your listing. Hey, we have on the line one of the superstar players of the NTFL competition, Dylan Collis from Waratah. Do we have you, mate? Yeah, you do. Thanks, mate. No worries. Hey, Dilza, you are in some exceptionally strong form this year. Definitely, I wouldn't say one of the most improved players in the competition because you do have a great resume behind you, but you're in great form. What do you put it down to? Uh, At the moment, it's sort of, I don't know, the older I get, I've sort of trying to minimise the difference between my bad games and good games. At the moment, um, I do a fair bit of training away from the club, which um, I'm just trying new little things to hopefully um, help us in the latter part of the year. But um, at the moment, I've had five weeks off the off the grog, which is helping, helping me run out the games a bit easier. Very good. I do really like the professionalism that like we were talking to your teammate Robbie Turnbull the other week and he was talking about the GPSs and all the work that he's trying to do off the field. I know he's got his TikTok going and I'm sure a few of the teammates uh, follow that and follow his advice. So very, very impressed with the professionalism at Waratah and it's probably why you guys are getting the results on the field. Hey, how have you found playing in the territory, playing in the NTFL compared to some of the leagues you've played in down south? Yeah, as, as most people say, like it is, it is a completely different style of footy to any sort of country footy down south. But um, I don't know, it's it's an exciting game, brand of footy to watch and play in. Like everyone has their offensive part of the game. So at the moment, as you can see, um, Nightcliff are going well at, at stopping teams from scoring. So that's sort of something we've sort of been trying to fine tune um, post Christmas is everyone's got no trouble in scoring. It's more just 
um, what we do when we don't have the ball to just slow other teams from scoring and getting that run on against it. Very good. How did you get to the top end in the first place? Um, so where I'm originally from, a little place called Garfield. Um, mm-hmm. You probably heard of Lincoln Wizards. He he yep. played a couple hundred games at Garfield, played with my old man. And so we always sort of had the tie between Garfield and the Waratahs. And then um, my cousin, Matt Cunningham, he started playing up here. And then one of my other cousins, Tommy Marsh, started playing. So it was always sort of... It was on the cards to come up here. Um, and then I did a pre-season at Frankston, um, just coming from Garfield. And I missed out on the list because Garfield's not very good, very good standard footy. And I thought, oh, I need to go challenge myself somewhere. So I come up here and um, got a sort of experience in a different style of footy. And then that sort of just changed my footy career from coming up here. And then had a few years off and I was always going to move back here. Um, after having a crack at VFL for a few years. And then once that was done, um, I sort of ended up back at the Waratahs. So I don't know what the number is of blokes that, from Garfield that have played up there, but there's a fair few. And Lincoln's obviously a bit of a legend up here. He's played in a few flags at Waratahs. So, yeah, this is sort of what I... Waratahs what I call home now. I've done what I could at Garfield, enjoyed my time there, but um, this is where I'll base myself for a while now. Yeah, Lincoln Withers, one of the greats of the Waratah Football Club. I think played in a premiership, big, strong midfielder. Hey, you spoke about the differences between top-end football and, and down south. We are not really known for our defensive aspects up here. I was just wondering, a player of your calibre, do you find, like, do you get tagged? Do you find that the opposition are putting much defensive efforts into stopping you, especially uh, given that you played off the half-back flank and you were one of the, you know, like the, almost like the quarterback role where they try to get the ball in your hands as much as possible. Did you find that you had a bit of a free reign in that role or are you feeling now that, uh, you know, now that you're getting a bit more attention uh, that the opposition clubs are coming to you? It's funny you say that. There's only one team that has actually um, put a genuine defensive forward and that was the district um, mm-hmm. fellow before Christmas. Um Pint had sort of tried a, a couple of things, but I don't, it, it's always different when you're losing. Like, it, it worked mm. really well for District. The Pint, they sort of tried to drag me away from the ball a bit, um, which is why we've sort of changed things up. I'll go into sort of more of a small forward role now because as, as a defender, you can't sort of use your fitness to try and break away from a tag because you still need to be behind the ball. But now we've got Croc back, Joel Crocker back from... Um, over on the Goldie, he's sort of he's going to move into that role, and I think he's played three games with not much prep, and he's averaging just under thirty. So mm. uh, we're not losing much if I take out, and, and he moves into that role. And with Jake Bowd down there, we don't lose the run um, to break lines. So um, we've, we're so evenly spread that we can move folks around that we don't lose um, a too lot too much of our um, potency sort of going forward. Still, it's Rob Hale here, mate. Just with the uh, over the Christmas break, you guys had a fair few games. You only played what two games out of like five or uh, six or seven weeks. How how was it with the forfeit? Because you guys, when Tiwi forfeited, you had seven or eight blokes drop back to uh, Premier League reserves. What how was what was the reasoning behind that decision? Yeah, I've been mate, waiting to talk to you for a while, here, Rob. <laughs> 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 but um, now before Christmas, um, Ezy Brody, myself sort of sat down. We knew we had um, not a real lot of continuity of footy coming up post-Christmas. Um, if things fell our way and we ended up on top, you could 
You could also miss two games in finals. So we were aware that we weren't going to be playing too much footy. So the training side of things was already planned that um, we were going to have sort of a four or five week block that we were smashing ourselves on the track that um, if we ran out of gas in games, it wasn't going to be the end of the world, knowing that our ladder position couldn't really go down. It could only go up. Um, so we were aware of it coming. And then obviously the, the TWE forfeit um, wasn't ideal, but it sort of didn't set us back and catch us off guard that we're behind the eight ball already. We've we sort of already had that plan, which um, not always good, but yeah, hopefully we're, we're trying to set ourselves for a um, better last six weeks of the year than, than we did last year. Yeah, well, obviously now deal with that uh, St. Mary's losing on the weekend. How big is next week's game? I know you guys will love to knock, try to knock St. Mary's out of that top three sort of position now. How uh, How's the side going to look next week? Yeah, the top, we should, um, <laughs> we should get it. We'll get a few back. Um, obviously, Abe sort of hasn't really played uh, much before. Christy has meant to play the last game, but... Um, his car, so he, he missed out on that. But um, we'll get a few back. Probably our highest injury at the moment is blokes missing games with boils. So, oh, really? Yeah. But, no, the side looks, should look look better than it has been the last um, month. But um, it's sort of, we're in not too bad of a position where there's no nerves from us. Our ladder position can only go up if districts drop a game they shouldn't. And um, we can't, can't go backwards. So... Saints have obviously got Nycliffe freezing down their neck. Um, so Nycliffe will be cheering for us in that game. But, yeah, it's, we haven't had many, apart from the round one game, it's always um, a bit back and forth with Saints. So we're setting ourselves with that and then hopefully that'll set us up for a, a good final series after that. Yeah, and as a club, what are you doing for this bye weekend now? Are you going down to watch any of the footy? Yeah, so we're, we'll have training on um, Saturday morning and then our, our Divi 1 boys... Um, they've got a tough game against Banks to hopefully get themselves into finals contention um, and then we'll sort of just disperse and blokes will go watch watch whichever games they want to go watch Hey Dill I thought I was a great bloke by putting you in the top 25 my list that I did uh, Jackson called and missed out a Cheney medalist and I got a lot of a lot of flack for that and then I read the NT News and you're as high as number 2 so we're trying to find a happy medium here, and, and Robbie's been grilling me and saying, look, you've underrated Dylan Collis, and, and I'm sure if I spoke to anyone from the NT News, they'd say I've, I've grossly underrated you. So you're number 11 in our SEN top 10 now. We've just done the list, and, and Tommy Shot pipped you for 10th spot. Uh, Robbie and I debated ferociously about that. Um, on your side, Dill. Yeah, no, I don't know about that. don't know about that. He reckons he's got the text messages to prove it, but not too sure about that. Dill, hey, what are your goals on a personal level for the rest of the season? Yeah, look, as I said, I've sort of, um, I sort of set little goals for myself. Um, I set making that top end ten have to be up there. Yeah, top end ten, obviously. Yeah, <laughs> everyone's got their differing opinions. There's two in one, eleven in another, and twenty five in the other. But I thought, <laughs> with the way Robbie judges his small defenders, say we don't defend. So I've moved up forward. Hopefully that'll, uh, <laughs> I don't have to defend up there. Hopefully that'll get me up at least one rank into the top ten. Yep. Hey, on a bit of a light-hearted note, mate, I honestly reckon that you're one of the great sledgers running around at the moment in the NTFL. Is that side of the game something that you enjoy having a little bit of fun with? There's a lot of people in the territory that, you know, take that stuff really, really seriously, but it, it is a bit of fun to have a bit of chat on the field, isn't it? 
Yeah, no, it's, it's something I've always sort of done. Like, if I'm honest, I wouldn't want to play against me. Like, I'm the biggest sort of pain in the ass and annoying. But it's something that it works. It gets under a lot of a lot of blokes' skin. Um, mm. Yeah, it's always a bit of a laugh. It's, I've never been personal. That's not something that I'll go. No. But um, the longer you sort of hang around here and um, get to know blokes, now it's sort of like the banter between sort of me and Calder and that. Like when you play against him, it's always it's a bit of a laugh. Now once you get to know blokes and you know, look, it's just they're just having a bit of a laugh and trying to enjoy footy. Um, yeah, it's, it sort of goes a bit easier when you don't know someone. They might more take take it to heart at the start, but um, yeah, it's something I've always sort of done. And yeah, I. I don't think your teammates probably they probably get annoyed at times, but um, yeah, I won't I won't be changing that anytime soon. Oh mate, it's it's not top end footy if you haven't been offered out in the car park after. That's that's what happens. It's like a rite of passage in the NTFL a little bit. <laughs> hey, Dill, thanks very much for joining us this morning. You have a good day at work. See you, Dill. No worries at all. Thanks for that. Thanks for having me. Plenty more to come here on SEN Fridays at the top end. Thanks to Rain and Horn Darwin finding a place to write your next chapter. Welcome back to SEN Fridays at the Top End, 16.11am. Thanks to Rain and Horn Darwin. We will love your listing. Remember to download the SEN app. It is now time for a segment that we've been missing a little bit over the last couple of weeks, Raf's Rage. What's grinding your gears this week, mate? Um, oh, it's uh, maybe a bit more personal, mate. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's more the Div 2 comp. Um, I know a lot of people on here probably don't tune in, but the last time we played Tracy Village, the game I played in, the... Div two boys um, for Tracy said, "You know, we listen to your show, so that was good to hear." Um, but yeah, we played Tracy Village last weekend, at, and it was eight fifteen on a Sunday. So we tried to get that changed. We spoke to Tracy about that. They tried to change to a Saturday, um, but then they were like, "Oh, we want both our teams to play together," which is understandable. Um, and then we got changed to playing Pints today to playing Tracy Village again. So we're playing Tracy Village back to back. It's not a worry for us because, um, you know, we've had some good wins against Tracy, but mm. I actually feel sorry for Tracy Village. Um, and obviously Pints or Southern Districts have had a whinge about it because we're meant to play Pints. Mm. Um, the amount of times we've put into the NTFL to say, can we play the same day as our, or the same place as the rest of our Saints teams, has never happened. So we, we thought we might have played before the Prem Girls this weekend at Marara, but we're playing at Tracy Village again, back-to-back games at Nycliffe Oval. Um, so Tracy Village, two sides get to line up and Pints and Districts get to play each other because they line up. So, mm. yeah, we've, uh, I don't know, we're getting to the short end of the stick whether because we're winning most of our, or we haven't lost. I don't know if that's a, a reason why, but <laughs> I've given up uh, ringing up and trying to ask for explanation from the NTFL. Um, so, yeah, we'll just, I had to say to the boys after we found out we're playing Tracy again, look, let's just go out and play footy. We're having fun. Um, so that's my little winch. You'd be getting um, to know these Tracy boys real well, wouldn't you? Yeah, they, they get <laughs> First to name basis. Us, they get to hate us a lot because it's 100-point wins most games. So, you know, and that's that's not enjoyable for them. So, mm. you know, as much as you like to have a big win, it's it gets, um, yeah, you like to challenge yourself every now and again. And the boys, especially coming into finals. Yeah. So... No, fair enough, Raf. Hey, Robbie, the NTFL ladder has Tiwi in ninth, Wanderers in eighth, Palmerston in seventh, Pint in sixth, Darwin Buffaloes in fifth, Nycliffe in fourth. So that's been a change this week. Nycliffe have leapfrogged the Buffaloes. Samaria's in third, Waratah in second spot, and Districts are leading all comers at the moment. Does your power rankings differ 
very much from this. We don't need to go through all of them. So Tiwi, Palmerston, and Wanderers essentially are all the bottom three. What's your top six look like in the power rankings? So the the ones where it's different is that I've got Pints fifth over Buffaloes right now. Um, which they beat them last week, so that's beat probably them last fair. week. They're, they're one and one each though, and I just but I just think Pints are probably in better form. Mm. Um, and I've also got um, I've moved districts to one at the moment over yeah. St Mary's. I think St Mary's are going to have to hit another. Um, have to go another cog in the green machine for mine. Um, they've got a lot of blokes underdone, so they've named a pretty strong side this week, and you know how Saints go. They're probably all clicks from here for them, but I just think District's top of the ladder, sitting in a box seat right now. Yeah, I personally have the Crocs as the best team in the comp at the moment. Hey, just to re... Let's clarify the pint down Buffalo's decision because mm. you are, they are one and one, and I think they play vastly different game styles. Buffalo's had their chances, and we will talk about that in the in the review soon. Last week, what do you put that down to? Because I think that Buffalo's with Mitch Robinson and playing slightly better football, I think their ceiling is a lot higher than Pints. Yeah, I definitely think so. I think um, on the weekend the wet weather didn't suit playing. You know, um, the wet game against Pints, who love those conditions and. It's sort of a game. Look, Pints are very. It's very unlikely that Pints are going to beat, but take Buffs' spot out of the five. So I think Buffs might have went in a bit complacent as well, perhaps. And Pints, you know, they got a buy, and they got Southern Districts, Nycliffs. They're going to have to do it the real hard way. We're going to talk about that now. We do have a little bit of time to digest the fell ladder. So just as a reminder, we have Districts on forty-six points, Waratah on four points. That top two is set in stone now. St Mary's, and this is where the interesting part comes in. St Mary's are a game ahead of Nycliffe. Uh, and then you have Buffaloes who are sandwiched in the middle of Nycliffe and Pint. So Nycliffe are on 28 points, Darwin Buffaloes are on 26, and Pint are on 24. So the top five still is up for grabs. Pint's run home is Southern Districts, and then Nycliffe, and then a bye. So that bye is going to hurt them, obviously. The Buffaloes have Nycliffe, Wanderers, and Southern Districts. What, I suppose you'd have to put it in odds for, but what, what do you think is going to happen there? Who is your gut feeling to make that fifth position? Oh, not uh, Buffaloes will be pretty, you know, in box position there for that, won't they? Um, yeah, it's a it's a tough one though because you know Pint can only blame themselves really, and I think Tom Shot was on the in the news and they said that as well. They should have beaten Southern Districts. They drew with Tiwi at home. Um, no other sides lost to Tiwi or drew with Tiwi this mm. season. And they've got um, a loss against Tiwi too. Yeah, and, and they also had more inside 50s against Tars. And they've, they've been very competitive. And they beat Saints and undermanned Saints. And they've definitely had the opportunity to go in. But right now, what are they, about 40% win rate? That's mm. not a final side, is it? Yeah, if I was playing for Pints, or I was a Pints supporter for your first season. And I think our very first show or second show mm. when we you know, discussed how many games we think they'd win, I think a lot of us said one, maybe two. Um, so, you know, take my hat off to Shannon, Wallop, mm. and, and the Pines for what they've done. And to be pushing for a fifth spot, it's, uh, it's a, incredible for your first season in Premier League. I agree. If you said coming into round 16, we'd be talking about how they're still in finals contention, yep. I'd say that that's definitely a pass mark. It's interesting, Raph. If you talk to some of the players involved at the Green Ants, they say they're not happy with how the season's yeah, exactly. gone so far. So I suppose that's probably a good sign. It shows how competitive they are and how serious they are taking think, this move to I the think, Premier League. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, they're going to be a, a worry for a lot of clubs. Mm. I think also, though, I think people who haven't done their research on them, they do have high-level players yes, in their midfield. They They've got SANFL blokes. And yep. People are acting like they're a, a B-grade side, and they're not. No. They've got SANFL guns in there. Yeah. I think a, a real solid pass mark was making finals. I think they get a pass mark, but 
Sixth out of nine. I don't know how much pats on the back you get for that. They do have a vastly different side to last year, too. It's not like they're running out with their Division One team. Mm. So I understand that. Hey, Raf, we'll get your opinion on this because the other interesting part is that battle for top three. St. Mary's are a game ahead of Nycliffe and what, Robbie, about four percentage points. Is yeah, that right? Yeah, about that. So the run home for Saints is Palmerston, Waratah, and Wanderers. Nycliffe play... Buffaloes, Wanderers, and the Tiwi Bombers. So, yeah, very, very it's, interesting. Yeah. It's interesting what's in the Saints on the weekend. It's almost looked they went in, I don't know, I wouldn't say complacent, but mm-hmm. uh, or underdone, I don't, I'm not sure. But, yeah, I expected a better performance from Saints on the weekend. And, um, you know, I think Nycliffe maybe listened in on the show and um, have become good after, you know, all those losses in, in a row. Now they're going for four or five wins in a row. Um, but I thought Saints were going to run, run over him in the end. Um, but to Nycliffe's credit, well done to them and yeah it's it's a bit of a worry for Saints like you know that top three sort of guarantees you almost not guarantees mm. you but you're almost going to play in the grand final if you finish top three um, so it's the pressure's on them now so you know mm. they're lucky they get Palmerson this week um, and you know Palmerson you know you never know Palmerson might come out with a, a big big surprise so well they had Waratah's, Abbott last time and it wasn't enough yeah, <laughs> yeah. Waratah's um is is the is the match um, that is going to be a worry for me? I, I, for I sure. Think so, yeah, Jackson. How do you see that one playing out? Do you think St Mary's hold third, or do you reckon Nycliffe can get them? I think Nycliffe enter favourites in their final three games, and I think they can record big wins against some of those teams, especially Tiwi Bombers in the last round. Like if it's a percentage battle, then they are going. You know, mm. if they have to win by twenty five, thirty goals against Tiwi Bombers, unfortunately, they probably could. If if the Bombers don't it, forfeit, yeah. and that sounds really disrespectful, but that's just the way the season's sort of unfolding. And the yeah. big one has to be Rob, and I'm sure you'll probably agree, is that St Mary's Waratah clash. That's next what I was week. about to say. I said, I think judging from what Dill Collis just said, it yeah. sounds like they're loading up. Yeah, He's yeah, not saying yeah. it. And yeah. I think um, the funny one is that St. Mary's of Wanderers being a rivalry in those grand finals over the last seven or eight years. Mm. I think Wanderers will be, you know, be the last game for the season, so mm. they want to go out with a bang and they go, you know, they'll set themselves. So if we can knock St. Mary's off, they don't make a top three. Yeah, Wanderers will put everything on the line and, and go for you know there's nothing to lose so there was a similar that's, a, that's a dangerous mm. game as well in my eyes there was a similar situation the other year wasn't there I don't have my facts with me right now but I think Saints played Wanderers in the final round the year that Brent Renoff was coaching and it was for the wooden spoon and I don't know if there was there was something that had to happen in that year yeah they had they were playing someone else not us oh yeah I think they Army had to or win someone, yeah. they had to beat someone else to yeah. get us a wooden spoon and they made sure they won that yeah, game. yeah. so that's why that, I bring that <laughs> that up so the rivalry lives on so, hey yeah. So we'll probably talk about it for 40 minutes next week, the St. Mary's Waratah preview. But right now, mm. the very early early prediction and thoughts about that game, Rob. Oh, geez, I think it's going to let's see where Waratahs are at. I'll probably favour Saints in this one, but Waratahs have been a very good sort of um, score inside now this season. And I think St. Mary's going to get these. If St. Mary's have Fowler, Boyle and Smithson all playing, that's going to you know, have a bit more run in their legs. Um, but, yeah, just it's a, it's a tough, it's a line ball decision, just like the Nycliffe-St. Mary's game on the weekend, I feel. How about you guys? Well, I think it's going to be one of the games of the season. It's at T.O. Stadium, isn't it? Yeah, so, so that's good. That is, that's going to favour St. Mary's, you would imagine. I, I think so, but I also think Waratah's ball movement's underestimated now. They do spread the ball really well with Crocker and those guys, and I think it also could be a bit of a strong point as well for Waratah's. Yeah, it might be a bit old-fashioned thinking for us, thinking, oh, Waratah, the heavy set players, where the Saints are, you know, a quick young team. It's, it's The ledger's almost swung a little bit. Like, yeah. you know, Saints probably still have the speed advantage, but you take out blokes like Joe of Salmon and a few others and suddenly it's it's a lot closer. Mm. Plenty more to come here on SEN Fridays at the Top End. Thanks to Rain and Horn Darwin finding a place to write your next chapter. Live on SEN Top End 16 11am This is Fridays in the Top End 
with Jackson Clark, Raf Clark, and Rob Hale. For Rain and Horn Darwin, finding a place to write your next chapter. Welcome back to SEN Fridays at the Top End. Thanks to Rain and Horn Darwin, finding a place to write your next chapter. Hey, let's get stuck into some of the round 15 games. The first one we will go through is Southern District 16-10-106, defeating Tiwi Bombers 2-5-17. This game only lasted for two quarters and 22 minutes when it was called off due to the lightning rule. Mm-hmm. District key forward Sam Dunstan already had seven goals, so he was looking at double figures, really. As we said before, when we were doing our top 10, Luke Smith was probably the man of the match, the best on ground with 22 disposals, which was game high and four goals. So he was another one having a big, big game. What was your take on this one? Yeah, I just thought um, I, was, I, was also, I was happy to see Tiwi field aside firstly. They also had Josh Hill play, but he goes by Carter now, so I didn't, yeah. didn't even, yeah, wasn't aware, but he played, which was good that he helped out. Um, that, yeah, those ASEM boys were dominant. Um, and yeah, it was a perfect sort of training run for Crocs heading into finals to show they can, you know, give them some, you know, power and they, uh, that they can score and some clean ball use. Um, because, they, yeah, they needed that after a pretty hard game against Nycliffe and Matt Dennis got belted pillar to post that game and had a bit more of a free run around on Saturday. It's a bit of a confidence booster for the Crocs, wasn't it? Yeah, they won't get that this week against Pints. Pints will come out hard and Pints know finals is on the line. They want to play finals football, so the Pints boys are eager for this one. Raph, as much as a 90-point loss isn't great in anyone's books, it was good to see Tiwi Bombers back out on the field. Yeah, definitely, mate. Um, you know, it, it just shows that they're still still around and, and, and you know we don't know to see any team forfeit no mm. matter what the grade is um, so you know good on Tiwi and hopefully they finish off the season with a, a couple of good more performances yeah Sam Darley was also back from and he, he had a fair bit of it um, shout out to Sam there so he was alright yeah no he played well probably Tiwi's best player on the weekend yep. uh, Pint this one we've already spoken a little bit about let's digest this one Pint, the Green Ants, 10-14-74, defeated the Darwin Buffaloes, 8-8-56. Weird game. So Pint started very, very strongly and led by 27 points at quarter time. The Buffaloes did fight back in the second quarter and early in the third and got mm-hmm. to within a goal of the Green Ants. And honestly, I was watching and I thought, all right, it's done here. The Buffaloes are a quicker team. They have more run. They're going to win this game pretty comfortably in the end. But the Pints were able to get the momentum back on their side and then kick away. And, and it was them that won confidently, uh, comfortably, sorry, in the end. Damien McMahon is a superstar. Has to be one of the most underrated players in the competition. Had another 25 disposals there on that wing. Alex Harvey was a really good player. Kicked three goals. Matt Ryan also finished with three goals. I think he kicked those three goals in the space of about five or six minutes. I mm-hmm. uh, thought Ryan Penderbury was Buffalo's best player with 29 touches. No Mitch Robinson, but still a disappointing performance from the Double Blues. Yeah, I think so. There's levels. The game, I did actually think Buffs were going to run away with it, you know, and but Pines, to their credit, went to another gear and they're probably the fifth best side right now, but that's not going to count for much if they can't get in there and it looks likely the Buffs will play that final spot. Um, but I think a, pass, a solid pass mark next year for Pines is playing finals now, um, regardless of the expectations. But Raph, for Buffaloes, can you see them winning a final if they play finals? Mate, not not with the results they've put up in the last couple of weeks. Um, you know, especially you know you should go out there pretty confident against Pints and, and especially letting the team get a 27 point you know first quarter lead on you. Um, yep. is, is is a big no no, especially if you're looking to play finals footy. You do that to any other side, you're never going to be able to run them down. So um, yeah, they're they're lucky they almost got back in the game and almost won it. But yeah, they can't be putting out performances like that if they're going to play good finals footy. I wanted to see Buffaloes fly the flag a little bit more for Prime Train. 
and mm. he is one of the better players, I think, offensively in the comp when he's up and going. Only had the 12 disposals on the weekend and was probably his worst game up in the territory, I think. But if you watch the vision, um, he was getting battered pillar to post by some of these Pints players. And credit to them, mm. there's nothing wrong with doing that. I think there's got to be more physicality up here. But he was getting smashed. I reckon he would have been getting sledged by... You know, the Green Ants boys and the crowd probably, mm. uh, which is nothing new to old Primey. But um, I would have liked to have seen him get a little bit more support. Yeah, definitely. Not having Mitch Robinson there to help and a few of those other guys and, and a few younger players. Yeah, that was definitely disappointing, Clarkie. Um, and yeah, it did come to a head against St. Mary's when that happened. And the St. Mary's guys all come in and helped. Yeah. Uh Nycliffe and St. Mary's was an interesting game. Nycliffe, yep. 7 9, 51 defeated. St. Mary's, 6 13, 49. 16 scoring shots to 19 in favour of St. Mary's, which is really interesting because the Saints only had 226 disposals for the game, which is a very low count. Very rarely do you see teams win uh, only having, you know, 226 disposals. Um, so I thought they did pretty well to keep the margin so close. I did think Nycliffe were the better team. Saints only had eight players record 10 or more disposals. It's sort of sort of hard when you're leaving the load up to two fewer players, I think, like Lant and Paredes and some of those types. Raph, what was your take? Yeah, it just looked like a very slow game in my, in my taking. Um, it's, it's, we were all sitting in the, like I said before, we were all in the, the, the Premiership reunion, sitting in the box watching together. So, um, you know, a lot of opinions. But I, I expected Saints to move a lot more quicker and freely and, and get it into Calder and that a lot, a lot better. Um, you know, you've seen some of the disposals of Calder he wasn't happy with... Um, but again, then again, he missed a lot of kickable goals um, mm. that you'd expect him to kick. So that's, you know, you look at the score, 16-13. Um, you shoot yourself in the foot, and like you said, you could have wrapped up top three spot. So now they put the pressure back on themselves. So very disappointing loss. Raf, we talk all the time on this show about how Saints are going to, you know, it's a different Saints come finals time, and, and they'll perk up and this and that. But the reality is it's not just going to happen. So if everyone at Saints thinks that it's just going to be a foregone conclusion that they'll flick the switch come finals time, it's not going to happen. What do you think they need to do to be able to put themselves in premiership contention? I think their, their back sort of let them down. I think they'll miss in a key back. Um, you know, Matt Wilk, he, whether he's looked a bit underdone, or, um, you know, he's playing on key defenders, mm-hmm. um, or key forwards, sorry. And, yeah, I think they're just missing that genuine centre-half back or, or full-back. Um, so whether they bring Oborn back in or give Grant Gallas another run, that, in my view, that's what I reckon they need because they, they offer a bit of flexibility and go somewhere else as well, maybe chop you out in the ruck. Um, yeah, so I don't know what else they got up to. They'd sell the farm for a Johnny Anstess now, wouldn't they? Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, Auburn's in this week, so I, yeah. But it was a very contested, hard style of football, very different to the previous game. And I think Ben Vile was you know, able to keep Jackson Calder to two goals, had 11 spoils. He won't get the three Nichols uh, medals vote, so I don't think, but he was yeah, best he was on awesome. for me. And Nycliffe actually tagged uh, Lant later in the game, and Lockie Hubbards went to him. And Lockie Hubbards ended up kicking the winning goal whilst on him, which is something big. And that's something also to watch Lockie Hubbards uh, negating some full, uh, some key players for opposition sides and I think Saints though will regroup and a couple of those players need some run in their legs didn't they Raph? Yeah and it might be the scare they needed or the loss they mm. needed to spark that flame again so mm. it's either got to be a really good positive for them or you know it could be the danger that they missed that top three spot so mm. it's up to them. 
Rob, are we seeing the emergence of the tagger up in the top end? Dylan Collis said that someone came to him. I saw Pints, like we just spoke about before, mm-hmm. uh, giving a lot of attention to Tommy Bolt, prime train. Um, and then, of course, the the tagging job on Dylan Lant, which, you know, Lant had 29 touches and was probably Saints' best player still, but um, it's a game of inches. And when his opponent kicks the winning goal, it's, it's almost like he's taking the chocolates there. Yeah, well, if you look at the top six sides, I don't, I don't honestly think Waratahs do much run with stuff. I think Turnbull will go to someone, and Buffaloes don't really do it, but... Pints, you know, Shannon Motlop does it. He mm-hmm. puts some defensive players on, and St. Mary's have Parnell, and they've got Hubbards now, Nycliffe. So, yeah, I'd like to see it, though, and Raf's a fan of it as well. Yep. So, Hamish Hartlett led the way also for Nycliffe with 26 disposals and a goal. Certainly his best game in the territory from the former power player. We do need to go to a break. There is another game that we will go through, and that is the Waratah Wanderers Clash that was played last Sunday. This is SEN Fridays at the top end. Thanks to Rain and Horn, Darwin, finding a place to write your next chapter. Welcome back to SEN Fridays at the top end. Thanks to Rain and Horn Darwin. We will love your listing. The last game that we need to review is the Waratah versus Wanderers Clash, the Foundation Cup that was on Sunday. Waratah 12 14, 86 defeated Wanderers 6 7 43. Dane McFarlane was almost a lone hand for the Eagles, 28 disposals and two goals. Most of his disposals were contested. Probably the, well, definitely the best player for the Eagles, I thought. Bo O'Connell started the game very well, but it was really all Waratahs. Dylan Collis, our man who was on the show earlier, was excellent, 25 touches and a couple of goals. And Joel Crocker, who has been excellent nearly every single game he's played for the Warriors this year, also had a pretty good game and was one of the leading disposal winners. Darcy Hope, uh, best of field, really good hit-up performance, took five marks and kicked three goals. So he was a bit of a game-breaker for Waratah. And Jaden Magro kicked his four goals. What was your take on this one? I thought Wanderers actually done well at the start. They, they were going to the scoring end, though. Um, and then I just thought some of their ball movement stuff... They tried to do too much dry weather cute stuff at half back and that court got them caught out a few times and it cost goals and just trying to do pretty dinky inside kicks more long down the line sort of day and um, yeah, they weren't too bad in that. Plenty more to come here on SEN Fridays at the top end. Welcome back to SEN Fridays at the top end. Thanks to Rain and Horn, Darwin. Boys, there are some very big games of football this weekend, starting with Tiwi Bombers versus the Wanderers. And, Raf, it is a very, very special occasion this weekend for Wanderers. Yeah, mate. Um, it's awesome um, by Wanderers Football Club. They're holding the very first annual breast cancer awareness game in NTFL um, against Buffaloes. So with the, with the breast cancer around, it's, it's uh, part of the Glenn McGrath Foundation, mm-hmm. so they're going to be raising money for that um, and, you know, with breast cancer alone, it's it's a common cancer among women, um, and nearly 20,000 women are diagnosed in 2020 alone. So some of the stats, one in seven women will have it by the time they're 85, um, and everyone will be touched by someone close having it. Um, the Wanderers Football Club, um, awesome by them. They're having a breast cancer awareness charity breakfast at Silks uh, at $50 a head, um, purchased by the at the club in the charity event um, at TIO Stadium as well um, at round seven against the Buffaloes on Saturday. So from eleven uh, from seven p.m. this event uh, we'll see Wanderers men and women's also um, at the Premier League and reserve grade. So four teams in total by Wanderers all wearing a pink guernsey, which we will probably put up yep. on your page later on the SEN page. Um, and it's a massive effort by Wanderers. Um, hmm. And this is awesome because it's it's something they want to bring in regularly and have a pink round. So hopefully in the future, um, every club will probably, you know, have something to do with wearing a pink Guernsey or, you know, one club at least wearing it in, in a game. Um, and it, it, it's, it's something I'm really passionate about, mate, because we yep. did the purple round this year mm-hmm. um, with the epilepsy. So it's 
if we could bring something in like the breast cancer round and the and the purple round um, in the NCFL football, it, it'd be awesome to see. And, and I take my hat off to Wanderers and Buffalo for doing it this weekend. Yeah, the club is seeking donations from local businesses as they drive the event. Uh, as you said, we will put the we'll promote their Guernsey through social media, but it looks great. Um, and obviously, most importantly, it's for a very, very, very important cause. So get around that. Uh, Robbie, the game itself, Tiwi, Wanderers. Yeah, I think it's going to be... I thought Wanderers would be playing some more kids, but they seem to have named a pretty experienced lineup. Tiwi's side's not up, so we can't, you know, critique Tiwi. Um, so, yeah, I think Wanderers with Stephen Motlop coming back in are just going to be too strong. Uh, Wanderers by five goals for me. What do you reckon? Another big game from Motlop to solidify his spot in that top ten. I saw him doing uh, a bit of a running session at an all-over oval during the week, so he must be ready to go. Yeah, I think one one good game, uh, good enough game, and he should just uh, hold his spot there. I'd say. Predict his stats. Go on. Uh, Twenty-five and four goals. Yeah. All right, Raph. Who's your tip? Tiwi Wanderers. Uh, I'm gonna have to lean towards Wanderers, mate. Any margin? Um. Nah, I'll leave that one alone. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Wanderers by 63 points. Oh, good win. Yeah. Southern Districts versus Pint. Maybe, maybe the match of the round, Rob. Uh, obviously, yeah. there's a couple of good games, but uh, there's, there's just a lot in this. Like, Pints, if they can upset Districts, and, and they've shown in previous games with them that they can get close, that's going to throw a spanner in the works uh, for the way the finals are going to go. Yeah, I think anything can happen in this game, um, especially with being how Pints are so defensive, um, you know, accountable. They're a very accountable side. But with this game out at Norbilt, likely to be hot um, if this rain goes away. And the Oval's a decent size. And I think Ty Croc's superior leg speed could be a factor for them winning. But Pints need to win this to stay in touch. And been speaking to a few Pints boys, and they're really keen on getting this one. And so they'll be coming to play. But I'm sort of thinking probably Crocs by three goals. So a close one. Do you think if Pint play the same, so no better or no worse, than they do against Buffaloes, do you think they can get the job done or is that not quite enough? Yeah, I think they'd go close to getting the job done, but it's hard, like we said last night, looking at Croc's side. They've got all those fly-ins as the emergencies, yeah. so I don't know who's playing. And it's the best emergency list I've ever seen. Yeah, there's, yeah it's a very strong emergency <laughs> list. I'd imagine two or three of those blokes are probably playing, so I don't know, but I think Pints are in this game. Mm. Raph, who's your tip? Yeah, it's an interesting one. Like, Pines will throw everything at it because this is almost like their last chance to <laughs> get themselves in that finals contention. So it'll be a good game to watch, I reckon. Um, but I think Crocs, with their experience and the footy they've been playing, are going to be hard to topple. Mm. We will talk to one of the Crocs' stars in Fraser Driscoll very shortly. Look, I would love to tip Pint. I think that they, as Raf said, they have more to play for. Um, and, and, you know, that can motivate a team to, to playing out of their skins. But I'm just not game against tipping the form team of the competition in Southern District. So I'll go the Crocs by... I'm going to go the Crocs by under a goal. I think it's going to be yeah. a close one out at Norville. Yep. Nycliffe versus Darwin Buffaloes. Uh, huge ramifications on this game. Um, where do you see this one? Yeah, I'm commentating this one, so I'm looking forward to it. I think Tigers will be too strong at home. Um, how Buffs match up on their big forwards with um, Butcher playing mm. um, might get Butcher back into form. He struggled last week. Matty Green gave him, you know, really got a hold of him again. But I'm predicting, predicting Brody Fyler to have a massive game, and Tigers need percentage as well, guys. So if Tigers do get up, obviously it's about winning first, but um, can they score enough to boost that percentage over St. Mary's is a big question. But I've got Tigers by five goals. Yeah, I think um, Buffaloes would be hoping for it to be a wet one um, mm. to help them with those big key forwards um, and, and it brings them back into the game, um, especially the knife off ground. Kick out of the middle from Philo, it sort of hits Butcher down in the goal square because he can kick at 60-70. Uh, we all know that. So, 
yeah, wet day will help buffaloes, and at the moment, the weather, the way it's looking, it brings buffaloes in contention. But the way Nycliffe are in the moment, their form, but buffaloes do have a lot to play for as well. So mm-hmm. it's going to be another real close one, and it could hit out, I reckon. Yeah. Well, if it's a close one, Rafa, it'll favour the Tigers because Tigers are going for their fifth win in a row. Of their past four wins, two, uh, three of them have been by under two goals. Yeah, so so they are good at winning those close games. Very big game here for the Buffaloes. We talk about, I know they've dropped in your power rankings, Rob, but a win here would be a huge momentum booster uh, in the lead-up to the finals. And I think if Mitch Robinson plays, I know he's been named, he was supposed to miss the two weeks. If he plays, I think they're a better chance than what, what you may have think have thought. Uh, we've seen Buffaloes as best throughout the year, you know, leading districts by 28 points in the second quarter um, and, and recording a win over Nycliffe earlier in the season. So you've tipped Tigers by five goals. I reckon you might be a little bit harsh here on the double blues and, and I'm backing them to have a big win after a disappointing performance last week. Yeah, definitely, um, especially with how Nycliffe score. But yeah, I think I think they, maybe they've turned the corner a bit. But if Buffaloes play that first half of football style of game that they played against districts during the year, then they're right in this game as well. Um, but yeah, Tigers, I, I will just stick with the five-goal margin. Palmerston versus St Mary's, our last game of the round. Yeah, St Mary's need to keep their percentage um, away from Tigers stealing third, and I think Saints are very... With the side that Palmerston... I must say something about Palmerston, though. They're under-18, so I beat Saints by 80-odd points. Mm-hmm. I think Chopper Vlajo coached the Saints side, and they've got some real talent in that team, and they've named about four or five of them for, t- for t- um, tomorrow's game, which is really good. Um, and if I was them, I'd try to do, you know, two wingers drop back, eight-man defence, and try to, you know, try to keep St. Mary's, you know, down a bit. Plenty more to come here on SEN Fridays at the Top End. Thanks to Rain and Horn Darwin. Welcome back to SEN Fridays at the Top End. Thanks to Rain and Horn Darwin, finding a place to write your next chapter. The Palmerston-St. Mary's game this weekend. What what do Palmerston need to do? Is there any chance to be competitive? I think they should drop the wingers back and play a four-man forward line, have eight defenders, and have Ash Hams free. Um, yeah, so I'm not too sure, Raph, how you probably you know that playing that loose man role, but have that. But Calder's going to be wanting to chase Jaden Magro as well for that Dennis Dunn trophy. Yeah, defensive wingers, um, as it's just like you're saying. Um, yeah, and even bro your half forwards up and play the wing role. So because mm. um, Palmerston, if they're going to play all these young fellas, they'll, mm. they'll, they're going to score with speed. So yep. you know, if they open up their forward line and make it a foot race, maybe kick it out to space and let your small forwards run onto it. Yep. Um, that's a, probably a better way for them to score um, mm-hmm. instead of letting Green and Jacob Long and all those guys set up and get ready to attack you going the other way. So put, bring him up the ground a bit higher and chase, make it a foot race back to goal if I was Palmerston. Yeah, what are you predicting for Calder? I'm predicting seven goals at for Calder. Seven, yeah, Ooh. at least seven. Yeah. So it depends how they get. Oh, they're going to get plenty of ball into him. So if, if um, you know, Lent and um, Prudy's get their 30 plus, half of them are both going to. Quarter, so he's going to get at least 20 odd chances to mark the footy. <laughs> yeah. If you're coaching Palmerston, what's the aim for the rest of the season? Like, finals are shot now. Is it all about injecting games into the youth? For me, I'd actually be loading up with the 18s boys for three weeks before their finals campaign um, because they look like they are a real chance to win that 18s premiership. Yeah, definitely. And, and you mentioned the, the win they had last week, and you know, that, that gives you confidence going forward. You know, like, you'll, you'll have, um, you know, seven or eight boys next year that will be regulars and maybe more um, if they're all at the top age of 18 so you can back your back your club on making a big move in if going forward with your, your under 18s coming through yeah we've got that rep side that we've uh, put together Clarkie yeah I love that one um, so I've, I've gone and made an NT verse uh, recruit side you got that up there Raf so it's yeah, a pretty mate. decent side um, a lot you know the recruit side is very strong but um, 
Yeah, we'll put that up on the Facebook page and see. We want the listeners out there to give us some feedback on it, say who was stiff, and a bit of a prediction on the score as well would be great. Let's go through it really quick. I think we have time. So I'm going to go with the locals first, starting from the back line. Uh, And you've got Kieran Parnell, Matty Green, Ryan Nyhouse. Now, say what you want. Say about all the gun players we have into the NTFL. Those three defenders are as good as anyone in the competition, I believe, when they're up and running. And then you have Michael Bowden, Mitch Taylor, and Bradley Stokes rounding out that uh, back line. Who are the forwards that they'll be up against, the Interstaters? The forward line will be Magro, Calder and Bolchi, prime train. And then half forwards, Paredes, Hope, Smith. So that's, I think the back line is the strength of this NT side. And then you have the middle, so the centre line. You've got Sean Wilson, who's had a very, very good career in the NTFL and still playing good football. Braden McLean and Rock and Ronnie Fija. Yeah, pretty solid through there. Who are they against? They're up against McMahon, Philo and Treacy. So... That's a interesting battle there. It is a very good one. And now the forward line. So for the locals, you've got uh, Dion Mankara, Daniel Stafford, and Stephen Motlop, Joey Salmon, Cam Eilert, and Kim Cantilla. Yeah, and then for the uh, interstaters, we've got Benell, Driscoll, Newman, and then down the back, we've got Collis, Doyle, and Hams. But Collis has changed his role last couple of weeks. Um, but a significant pace adventure mm. there for the NT forward line. Yeah, and so it's one of those ones where if the game was at Gardens versus the game was at Moraha, you might get a you might yeah. get a different result. Hey, the midfield, so the rucks, you have Ryan Smith rucking for St. Mary's uh, up against Matt Dennis. Uh, and then you have, oh, sorry, I'll let you name the interstaters. Yep. Jared Stokes uh, and A-Bankers round out the local on ballers. Yeah, and we've got Matt Dennis, Robinson and Lance. So Robinson and Stokes going head-to-head there. Yeah, we do have a few... Um, Team versus team head-to-heads that we've sort of put together here. Calder mm. versus Green is another one that stands out. Yep. The interchange. So for the locals, we've got Liam Holt-Fitz, Nick Yaron, Bo O'Connell, and Brody Carroll. Yep. And for the recruits, we've got Tommy Schott, Scotty Carlin, Mench, Arnold Kirby, Matt Shannon, and Carter from the Pint. Well, who do I miss out on? Because I've only named four locals, and the one you've sent me through, we've got Holt-Fitz, Yaron, O'Connell, and Carroll. Holt-Fitz, Yaron, Carroll. Yeah, Staunton, Atkinson. Oh, yeah. Put Atkinson in there as a backup ruck. You're going to yeah. need that. So Atkinson's there. There's not many t- local big fellas, is there? So I was trying to... We could have made a claim to get Paddy Doyle in there. He's, you know, played everywhere in the top end the last 10 well, years. That's, that's the thing. You talk about locals and whatnot. <laughs> and if the, the longs are listening in. Um, and, you know, the Ponters, they probably want Reed is claimed as a local. It's also Dylan Lance. So it's um, it's a hard one. <laughs> if, you're d- yeah. know, if you're about to marry a local girl, I'm... Well, yeah. <laughs> like Robbie said, Paddy Doyle's been up in the territory since he was, what, 17, 18, 19, I think. Yeah. So, let's clarify that. What's a local and what's an interstate player? A local we were for a me picky. is someone who's played juniors, juniors here. There, like, yeah, Brody yeah. Philo's yeah. played more footy than I think Lent and Paredes up here, I reckon, mm. now. So, I reckon yeah. Philo could come into that category. Yeah, he's he, he's, he'd probably... Yeah. His first years. year was 2011-12 yeah. for Waratahs. Yeah, I think Philo would actually consider himself a Nycliffe, like, like, like his local club. Mm. But... What's your thoughts on this? I think if there was odds, Who wins? I'm a, if we're doing betting, I think the Southerners would be a dollar twenty in the NT five dollars. Oh, I reckon. What do you think? I reckon they have a more credentialed team on paper if you look at what they've done down south. But I reckon you play this game two thirty p.m. at TIO Stadium and you get the locals a really, really big chance here. Right? Yeah. Well, I think um, if you've got a backup Ruckman, because if you're playing Ryan Smith at the moment, um, he's you mm. know, he's a bit underdone. He's um, not playing much footy, but yeah, it's interesting that we don't have too many big, genuine Ruckmans up here um, as local boys. We've got so no one pretty well. Yeah, so, um, yeah. You two could... o'clock might affect Smithy against Matty Dennis. Um, but I have to drag yeah, Johnny Miles out of bed. Um, 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you want to upset the back line, you could put Mitch Taylor in there. It's but a very, very good yeah. back line, though. So, yeah, it's I, I, I really like that back six for the local boys. That's, yeah. that's a very strong back and I think line. something to flag with the SEN um, Top End 22 that we're doing, and we'll, we'll, that will return next week, um, is that I think 17 or 16 of that 22 are Southerners. So that's why I've gone with the extra men on the bench, and I've got the two Ruckman on the bench, Carter and Kirby, because I just couldn't leave out Carter after he R1'd in the rep game as well. Um, obviously, me and Clark had disagreement about that as well, but I think, you know, who's better, Carter or Kirby? That's a that's yeah. definitely... Many longs, probably a stiff one too to have, you know, for a backup defender, I, I reckon, the, the season he's had. Yeah, I think... Um, Jacob Long was, yeah, Jacob, sorry, yeah, yeah, Jacob. I think the issue he had also was that he's playing back and then our rep side had, um, you know, five of the six backmen, backmen yeah. are local yeah. at the moment. Uh, plenty more to come here on SEN Fridays at the top end. Welcome back to SEN Fridays at the top end. Thanks to Rain and Horn Darwin. Hey, Rob, we have a couple of properties up for sale this weekend. We have the 516 Bayview Boulevard, a two-bedroom, one-bathroom townhouse. If you're looking for the perfect coastal getaway, look no further than this one. It is just two minutes away from the Sunset Beach and the shops. This property boasts a typical courtyard and backs onto a large park for the ultimate privacy and serenity. Yeah, inside you've got the open plan uh, living and dining areas, perfect for entertaining guests. The kitchen boasts a modern design with ample storage and a large window with fra- that frames the ki- uh, garden. The ground floor also includes an internal laundry and a second toilet added for con- extra convenience. Upstairs is a two-bedroom, very generously sized, and they all feature natural light, built-in wardrobes, air conditioning, all the works. Private porch area, which is perfect for enjoying the cool nights, especially during the dry season and the tropical breeze, all with your family and friends. We are accepting offers over 475000 and it will be open this Saturday from 9.45 to 10.15. Raf. Yes, the next one is 15 Surya Street, Woodroff, three-bedroom, two-bathroom house, the feature pack and home. Provide an excellent opportunity for the first-time buyers wanting to enter the market and to those in, in investors looking to expand their portfolio. A delivery four-pan essential for the block and added savings from solar panels are under icing on the cake. The Easy Care backyard is fully fenced and private, featuring flourishing trees and space for the kids and pets to run and roam outside. There is also a shed for uh, storing all your tools and pool equipment. There is undercover car parking for two vehicles with plenty of room to accommodate additional vehicles on the driveway, beckoning you to a lifestyle of ease and sun-filled comfort. This beautiful house situated in a quiet location is a wonderful choice. Uh, Jamie Chadwick from NT Racing. Jamie, do we have you? Very good morning, guys. Very good morning. So we've got a race meet coming up as well in Darwin. We didn't have one last week, but we had the Alice Springs card uh, happen on Saturday as well. Yeah, no, we've got a five-race card coming up this uh, well, tomorrow, guys. Uh, Darwin um, certainly getting ready for um, certainly amping up its racing schedule, obviously, with the carnival uh, not too far away, but also, with, as you just mentioned there, Alice Springs' carnival is not too far away. For it. So things are coming back into work, coming back into their preparations. And, yes, five-race program after a brief hiatus last week uh, for Darwin. And um, hopefully we can find a few winners um, some part during the day. Yeah, definitely. Have you got um, anything running this weekend for the view, uh, listeners at home? Any tips? Oh, I've only got, yeah, look, I've only got the one. You know, I've relied on the great man, tool, tool, Andrew Tool. Toolman's um, and myself had a bit of a discussion yesterday about just filling in for the day and, and, uh, and being on your show. So thanks very much for the opportunity to be on the show to talk about our Darwin racing. But in race three, I've, I've had a look at the card. It's a, it's a tough card of racing too, the five-race program. But in race three, Gary Clark and Jared Todd combined with a horse called Chief Mondo. Now, this horse hasn't been too far away 
I think, over its last couple of runs. And it's building into this uh, sort of race, ready for, oh, I think, going one better than his last few runs. He, uh, he's certainly been not far away, beaten only just over a length of last starts here at, at the Bay. And I think Chief Bondo, race three, number four, will give you a sight for, for, for tomorrow's best bet on the card. Yeah, solid. Um, also, last week, I think uh, O'Toole's, Andrew's tip was the uh, Our Luca, and it did get smashed down in the market, but yeah, something, something went amiss in the run. Um, so how can people, how can people get to, to the tickets for the, uh, for the carnival? Yeah, the carnival's building up, guys. It, it really is. We've, we've launched on far to our members who get a very um, exclusive early bird window for three weeks. Um, obviously, our loyal members uh, have first look at it. So we've been on sale to our membership base since January the 23rd. Um, open market for the general public will then soon open after that and 13th of February be that date. So uh, if you jump online to the darwinturflove.org.au, you'll find all our ticketing information. But as I said, the open market for the uh, for the purchase of those tickets will go on sale officially on Monday, the uh, 13th of February. No worries. Also, one, Jamie, just Raphael here, mate. Um, just want to find out how uh, last Thursday went with the Australia Day race day. How, how was the turnout, mate? Was what would you expected with the, with the crowd? Look, Raf, it was a good day. It was a great day, in fact. We opened the gates for a free edition on, on Australia Day um, in terms of uh, a bit of entertainment on course and just celebrating that day here at the races. So we had a strong crowd of nearly over, well, over 1,000 people turned up. It's a great effort at 7. Um, at 2.30 in the afternoon, we got a count at the front gate and considering we were taking uh, no ticket sales as such with opening the gates, it was already about 700 persons through the gate. So monitoring it thereafter with industry and a few people coming through after, it was very near a thousand or just over a thousand. So it's a strong day of racing out here. with a six ah. race program and was well frequented, which is great to see people out here celebrating their day. Ah, that's awesome to hear, mate. Awesome by the Darwin crowd. Thanks very much, yeah, Jamie. Good luck with everything. Look, thanks very much for the opportunity and looking forward to seeing you guys out here during the carnival or the upcoming race meetings. It's certainly, uh, it's certainly heading up here on the track. Awesome. awesome. Mate. Sounds Thank good, you, mate. Jamie. Take it easy. So... We are going to talk a little bit about the NTFL women's competition, Rob. Uh, I'll go through the ladder very quickly. So we have Pint on top with 52 points, Waratah on 40, St. Mary's on 36, Nycliffe 32, Darwin 32. So the finals are set. And then you have Tiwi Bombers uh, 20, Palmerston 20, Southern Districts 8, and Wanderers uh, winless down the bottom. We spoke about the, uh, that team earlier on the show and the state of the women's competition. Um, who's your premiership favourites at this stage? Because even though Pine are out in front, are they, are they the head and shoulders above the other teams? Or do you think these teams like St Mary's that have this fly-in talent, um, do you think they can compete with them? Yeah, I'm actually tipping St. Mary's and the women's to win the flag. Um, I think Danielle Pont is the best player in the competition. And if she's um, from what I'm hearing, she's playing finals. Um, so I'm thinking St. Mary's, but the consistency of Pints. Just looking at the draw, it's, it's going to be difficult. Saints do play Waratahs next week. Who did have that massive win? Um, so I think Saints will win two of their next three. But so they've got Nycliffe and Buffett's both breathing down their throat, though. So they need that... They need that top three spot, though, St. Mary's. An injury concern for one of the Saints' stars that transferred across from the Buffaloes in Takisa Doherty Cole? Yeah, it looks like she could have done it in ACL. So she it's will, not good. Yeah, so best-case scenario, it's a meniscus, um, but I think it could be an ACL. But um, Daniel Ponte, yeah, was very dominant last week. And I think Ricky Nolan, probably knowing him as a coach, he probably will tag her, I'd imagine. Mm. Hey, Raph. We have spoken on this show about Tiwi Bombers and where their future lies, but the Tiwi Bombers women are going great guns at the moment. They have had the five wins, or the, yeah, five wins, if my maths is correct. Um, and, yeah, they're playing really good, exciting football. I would hate to see if 
if for whatever reason that club couldn't continue on in the Premier League in the men's, um, I would hate to see you know all the great work that's happened in the women's competition uh, for Tiwi Bombers. I'd hate to see that sort of go to waste. Do you think that this club can survive? Let's say the worst case scenario happens with the men's and they don't field a team next year. Could they go it alone as, as a women's team? Yeah, I definitely think they can. Um because there's a lot of backing for it as well and, and it's taken them so long to join the comp um, and it's been their first year and, and showing what they can produce. Um, they'll definitely fall, will find the people to back them and keep that alive. So, yeah, hope, hopefully for, you know, like you mentioned, uh, we don't see the Tiwi Bombers men out of the side mm. and out of the comp elder. But yeah, we definitely don't want Tiwi that. Women, and they'll only get better. That's the best thing about the Tiwi women. Um, you also got the thing with the top three chasing with St Mary's who I think will win two out of the three and Nycliffe and Buffs will both need to win their three games and that's I think St Mary's win two out of three they're going to they're gonna hold top three because Buffs do have Tigers and then they've got Wanderers and Districts so whoever loses out of Tigers and Buffs this week will probably kiss uh, top three goodbye um, and then Nycliffe do have Pint next week which mm. I don't think they're going to win Hey, Rob, a pretty good round of football this weekend. Tiwi Bombers take on Wanderers, Southern District take on Pint, Nycliffe take on Buffaloes, and Palmerston play St. Mary's. Which of those four games uh, do you like the most? Nycliffe versus Buffs is the best game there because of the top three implications. And it's very strange, eh? Because actually in the men's and the women's, you've got right. 4v5. Yeah. So early bragging rights for finals, and, and it does look pretty set in both, doesn't it, that these sides are going to be playing each other possibly in three, four weeks' time. Raf, I don't know how much of the WPL you have seen this year, but I want to see... We, Robbie's put his uh, prediction on the line. I want to see who you have as the early premiership favourites. Well, I definitely have to lean towards Pines because they've been there before uh, and they've just produced the goods again. But like Rob mentioned, the, the talent that Saints have had joined their list this year, you know, a couple of local players come across from other clubs and then the three or four, they're still getting from Broome and a couple from Catherine. Um, I think Saints are the second best, um, and on their day, I reckon they've already proved they can beat Pints. So, you know, being a St Mary's through and through, um, I'll definitely start leaning towards St Mary's. And, you know, it's going to be a hard one because it's going to be two green and gold probably teams playing in the grand final. That'll be um, a hard hard day to decide what colour to wear. It's only <laughs> no one will want to wear their clash yeah, strip in that game. Colour, so. Yeah, there's a bit of rivalry there, isn't there? But are we discrediting Waratahs, especially after that 192-point win last week? And yeah, well, the thing is that St. Mary's women hadn't beaten them uh, a couple of weeks ago, um, mm. but they've, they've proven they can beat them. So that's that's the, the issue, that probably why we're both leaning towards Saints. I, oh, well, that's what I think. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I think the Ponta factor. Yeah. Um, but if a good tag goes on there... So how sure are you that Ponta is going to play in the finals? Because I would, I'm willing to put out my predictions here, but yeah. let, let's face it, if the Saints are a different team without Ponta, I'm not saying they can't win it without her or anything mm. like that, but she's such a huge influence. Um, and I think the availability of certain players is going to be a big factor here. Well, I think now that the AFLW season's pushed back to the later part of the year, I'm 95% confident she's playing finals. I haven't spoke to her, though, but from what uh, Saints girls have told me, seems like she's going to play, and I think she's the... Best yeah. player in the comp and going to be a she, massive yeah, difference. The, the best thing is if she, she plays forward, she has to get the best back. And and the um, St Mary's full forward they've got up from Catherine, she's proven herself week in week out, and she's kicked three or four goals. I can't remember her name off the top of my head. I'm sorry for that. Um, my, oh, my Armstrong, yeah, Armstrong, Caitlin yeah. Armstrong, yeah. And mate, she, she when she gets the ball from 30 or 40 out, her got goal kicking abilities um, second to none in the women's comp, and she's been awesome. 
Bit of exciting Central Australian news. Matt Campbell has been appointed the Central Australian Development Coach at the AFL and T announced during this weekend. Some super talented followers from out of Central Australia. This can only be a good thing for the region. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think, you know, having a player, uh, bloke that's played AFL football is really good in that area. Yeah, Matty Campbell, he's footy knowledge and the way he teaches the game um, mm. is second to none. And, and shout out to Matty and all the best for his new role. And I, I look forward to the Alice Springs talent just getting better and better. I'm going to put you on the spot here because we've got about 20 seconds. Who's your favourite Central Australian footballer? Um, oh, jeez. Daryl White. Yeah, well, Daryl White. <laughs> no, well, this is boring. That's <laughs> I'll say Roland Archie yeah. then. Gold Coast Sun rookie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nah, mine was, mine was the great man, DJ White. Um, yeah. With Maddie Campbell, a close second, they've, um, they've argued about who deserves the, the statue at Traeger Park and Maddie thinks it should be him. And I think DJ's... DJ's already got it in bronze, I reckon. Hey, great show today. Thank you very much for listening. Remember to download the SEN app. Uh, This is SEN, Fridays in the top end. Thanks to Rain and Horn Darwin. We will love your listing.